There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, the do I. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Power Chord Hour podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, here with you. I cannot believe we're on uh, episode 30 already of this podcast. And I can't believe it is already August. I don't know where the hell time has went, but it went somewhere and uh, I would like some of it back. But alas, I don't think that's going to happen. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode. And it's a it's one that I love um, this, this one I was very excited about. I'm talking to Christian Lesperance of Jersey Interchange, and uh, we get more into what Jersey Interchange is in this interview. But uh, if you don't know, it is Christian and a bunch of uh, other people from the New Jersey punk scene of that, you know, the, the late 90s, the early 2000s. That whole punk, pop punk, ska, emo scene that uh, was so near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, including mine, even though I wasn't there. You know, I, I've uh, I've learned more about it, discovered the bands, and uh, have just fallen in love. It's a it's a scene that I think was really special. And uh, anyways, he does it with members of that scene, and they're covering other bands from that scene. So you know, you'll hear a member of one New Jersey band covering Lane Meyer or covering Humble Beginnings. You know, like it's really Really cool. They have some, uh, and it's funny too. They have a bunch of like former guests of the show doing it. Heath Saraceno uh, being on a few of them from uh, Midtown, and uh, also uh, I know it's not out yet, but uh, our very first guest actually on the show, Steve Neurotic from Shower with Goats. I believe he is doing a song later on. But uh, it's a really cool project. They're putting out songs every Monday, and uh, it's just so awesome. So I mean, to have Christian on and uh, talk about the project and just really. The New Jersey punk scene of that whole, you know, once again, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, about, you know, like 10 years in there, kind of talking to him about those kind of 10 years and what made that scene special. And uh, it is nice because I wasn't there. And, uh, you know, the information that you learn, at least for me, is all secondhand. But to have someone who was actually there to talk about it and, you know, kind of educate me more on, uh, you know, on that scene, I love it. And uh, it's funny, too. It just comes up so much, I feel like, on the on the show in general, in this podcast, like, but that was just such a special scene and it's something to really be kind of studied. I mean, we get into it in here and I've talked about it to other guests who've been on the show. So, I mean, this is multiple people also saying this too. And like, we're talking about a a local scene that would draw on the regular, like a hundred or 150 people. And that's sometimes on a low night. There were nights where they were getting like 400 people in VFW halls. And like, if you, if you, you're listening to this and more than likely you're a music fan and you're probably, if not now at some point in your life, it's probably been, you've probably been part of a scene or went to local shows. And I don't think I have to tell you that most local shows anywhere do not get that many people. That is humongous. Like that is, there are cities out there like way, you know, in New Jersey, just in general too, not like one location. Like these shows were going on all around, I believe like South Jersey um, back in the day. And they were they were pulling in more than probably a local show in like say you know even like Chicago maybe would be pulling in like they're pulling more in there from like you know a band from a small little town in New Jersey. I mean it's an amazing thing, and not to mention 
uh, so many of those bands who, you know, kind of went kind of into obscurity or kind of harder to find now featuring members who went on to form other bands that were huge and I mean have been a huge part of you know, I mean, really modern pop music even. I mean, it, it's insane to look at the list of people who really came from that scene. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, just such a special thing. So anytime I get to talk about it, I'm always stoked. And, uh, you know, the, this episode is kind of all dedicated to it. it it's funny because, I mean, those questions come up. They, uh, you know, Jersey Interchange is also covering a lot of artists who we have had on the show, you know, past guests. And, uh, you know, I mean, it always just comes up for a little while, but I try not to make the interview all about that scene from back in the day. But it's like I'm always anyone who was a part of it. I uh, always like to talk to more about it. So, you know, very, very cool. We're going to get into that interview before we do, though. I am uh, as I'm recording this, I'm uh, doing this intro. I interviewed Christian the other day in my uh, home studio. But right now I'm recording this intro at the uh, WRFA studios. And I just want to give a huge shout out to our listener, Grace. She's been a fan of the radio show. We just celebrated our 200th episode of the radio show last Friday. And uh, she, she's been, I mean, I can't think of a, of a person who, like, hit us up on the email or anything before her. I mean, she's, like, OG, like, fan number one, has uh, been listening now for years. I mean, literally years. We've, uh, been on, we've been on the radio since 2016 now. And uh, anyways, she got us some shirts made. These things look awesome. And she just came to the studio real quick and uh, went downstairs, met her outside, because we are not, we are locked in here and uh, we're not allowed to have guests outside of, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, DJs basically at WRFA. So I had to go down there and meet her, but uh, it was very nice to finally meet her in person. You know, been, uh, you know, emails and stuff back and forth throughout the year. She always sends in really good song requests, and I like it because she'll, she'll get me with stuff that I've never heard, like old school, like punk rock, hardcore from like the late 70s and like early 80s. Like she'll just throw me one that I've just never heard before. And then sometimes she'll also just like request classics like the Dead Boys or something like that, you know, like just a classic punk band like that. Or Naked Ray Guns, another one, a uh, couple. I think she's she's requested Naked Ray Gun a couple times. And uh, Death, a really good uh, band from the 70s, kind of, kind of obscure, but a really, really good one. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, if she's not sending one that I've never heard before, she sends one where I go like, damn, like respect for requesting that. Like, like, damn, like you went you went deep into like your musical mind to find that one. You know, some some of the ones she asked for. But uh, shout out to her. These shirts look amazing. Uh, they look she, she had some made last year, too, which was very nice. And uh, this is a brand new design. And, uh, you know, so so I really I've uh, a couple people have asked about them before because I've been teasing them, but I finally have them in hand. And, you know, I mean, I, I didn't pay for them. You know, a listener got them made. And I think that's just so cool of her to do. So, I mean, I would feel weird selling them. So they are free. What I am doing, though, is uh, if you want one, just leave a review uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, probably just Apple Podcasts. Uh, I, I say this every time. I don't know if there's a rating system on any other one, but wherever you listen to it, if there's a place to rate it, rate it there. And uh, send me a screenshot. Send it to PowerCordHour at gmail.com, and I'll send you a free Hour shirt and some stickers and guitar picks. And uh, just a little, basically a little power cord hour care package is a thank you for rating the show. You know, we're still new here and we only got a couple ratings on a, on Apple podcast. So if you want to go, you know, really anywhere you listen to it, you can rate it. But, uh, you know, definitely if you're on Apple iTunes or Apple podcast, 
you know, if you can rate us there, we only have a few right now, and it would be great if you could uh, up those reviews for us. But yeah, right now it is time to get into it. Our interview with Christian Lesperance, the uh, the genius behind Jersey Interchange. Very excited for you to hear this one. Here it is, right here on the Power Chord Hour podcast. Right now on the Power Chord Hour, we are talking to Christian Lesperance, who has recently started this so cool a, a music project called Jersey Interchange, where he's been covering classic songs from the late 90s, early 2000s New Jersey punk scene, which we talk about on the show constantly. So this is right up my alley. He's doing it with uh, members from that scene. I mean, he has like 50 different artists. It's really, really cool. We're going to, you know, I'm not doing it justice. We're going to really get into it right now and uh, talk about the whole project. So Christian, man, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing really well. I've been I've been really excited to do this. And, you know, I mean, like, like the little rundown I just gave is just kind of like the tip of the iceberg with it. But I want to get into what you're doing with Jersey Interchange. I think it's so cool. You want to give like a quick little like, I mean quick, you know, like give a little rundown of what the actual project is and what you're doing with it. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, I guess my, my elevator pitch is uh, – you know, this is this is basically a project that I've put together where, you know, I've I've pr- pr- pretty much brought together all the people that I either was friends with or were influenced by or are friends with now to kind of recreate, re-envision and uh, just like reinvigorate these songs that, you know, me and my friends kind of sung along to at all these shows back in, you know, from 1996 through let's say 2003 that's a good uh time time period um uh and basically you know 20 years later kind of just like giving them a facelift um with different interpretations from uh from all over the board um so you know we we've so far as of this i guess we've released we're on our ninth or tenth song um and you know we release them every every monday and uh, just I've luckily been able to put together a great kind of supporting cast and crew. I, I guess if you want to call it that. I, I I work in the television industry, so that's my oh nice my <laughs> my en- entry into this. Basically, <laughs> I have nothing to do with music. Just so I'll call everything you know. I'll I'll, I'll, uh, I'll use television terms for everything from now from now on. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, no. But but I really have uh, have been fortunate to work with so many great people and and honestly people that i never thought i would ever have the 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 luxury and and privilege of working with you know 20 years ago let alone you know six months ago so oh i mean it's um, it's insane like looking at the list of like you know people that you have doing the project with i mean if you are a fan of like the new jersey punk scene from that era that you're talking about like that that decade you know about like 10 years in there it's insane the list you have like i mean you have some real royalty in there. I mean, just from, from like every, every part of it too. That's the other thing I like is it's kind of like every band from that scene, not just like, you know, the straight up just punk ones or anything. It's kind of like, there's some ska in there. There's punk, there's pop punk. Like you kind of have everyone from that era. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I appreciate uh, the compliments. Um, and I, I tried, I don't know. I had a diverse, you know, uh, palette back then too so you know i did i definitely liked a lot of punk a lot of ska a lot of hardcore um and the only thing i like that really isn't represented here is like death metal but um 
I'm not sure how that would flow with uh, the the audience. <laughs> I'm. Uh, that I'm might going. be interesting. No, but, right. I I actually I'm I, a lot of what I listened to early on, even before punk was metal. So uh, that's actually how I got into the punk scene. Um, but no, but um, yeah, any any anybody uh, that really played in the scene um, and just. You know, New Jersey had such a like breadth breadth of you know different styles and and it wasn't just like the punk rockers stayed on their side with with the punk rockers and the ska people stayed stayed over there. It, it New Jersey scene was like really mixed, and you had ska people that would go to see hardcore bands, and you know punk rockers that would go to see the pop punkers, you know. We're, so it's it's. Mm-hmm. Oh no! I was just gonna say, like you know, back back then too. I mean, were there? Would you see like mixed bills like that? Like, were there? Was there like a good uh, amount of that where you would see like a pop punk band with a ska band with maybe like a more hardcore band? Definitely, and um, actually, one of the bands that I think kind of like straddles that whole kind of weird line is is uh, the band Folly, who were you know at first they were kind of like this ska rock band and then all of a sudden they turn into the ska metal band but all the punk kids like them all the the hardcore kids like them and even ska people like them so it was like <laughs> ska, pe- ska people because you know kids don't like ska anymore um it's sadly all right right now um but uh yeah it was it was just a cool it was a cool thing to to be a part of and i guess you know and 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 growing up as kind of like a quote unquote metalhead, it was very like a polarizing uh, scene where you can only like metal. Oh, that new Megadeth record came out. Why are you listening to the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones? You know, like, yeah. what, what are you? Like, you know, it's just like, so when I got into punk and, and ska and all that stuff, it was, it was kind of a nice breath away from, you know, that whole kind of you have to fit into this category and only listen to this or that or this, or you're not cool. You can't listen to our music. So I guess the, you know, a lot of scenes obviously have that, but uh, you know, New Jersey was very fortunate, I guess. And you know what? I was doing some thinking about it. I don't really recall a scene that wasn't like a major city. So you had your Boston, you had obviously New York city, Chicago, whatever, that had such a diverse and, you know, like just welcoming scene. Like we were like Jersey suburb kids and, you know, Long Island had their stuff too. Um, But I really think that like, we had like one of the strongest and self and and honestly it was all self-made. Like we, we, we built it from the ground up Uh, and it was, you know, I'm not giving my, myself credit for, for that, but like all the kids, uh, that I was friends with and bands and promoters and, and, and just everybody that, that contributed, like really, you know, built this scene that people still today are, are benefiting from. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I think absolutely. Like I, you know, we've had, uh, I've had people on here, including ones that, you know, are, are doing this project with you. And it always kind of, at some point I have to bring up that, that whole scene. I mean, even not being a part of it, talking about how big it is, you know, there's someone like me who years later discovered it, not even from New Jersey, you know, the impact it had. And it is, it is really interesting. Like you were talking about how when you start to talk about that scene 
and all the shows that were going on and, you know, releasing all these records and all this different stuff, you kind of do forget. It's like, yeah, you guys are all like teens and like early twenties and stuff back then. Like you start to think about it and you go like, wow, that is impressive that like it was all kind of built up around teenagers, basically, you know, like teenagers, yeah. young adults, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, it's impressive the output. Like, I mean, to even be able to go back now, I mean, you know, finding finding the scene years and years later after all those bands broke up, it's insane what there is to find. Like, there's a whole back catalog. It's not like five or six bands. It's like, my God, like you start going through and you'll find this band. It's like, oh, yeah, well, this guy was a member of this band and then he was a member of this band. Right, yep. It's insane. Yeah. Like, that blows my mind. You go through and it's like, if you like this one band, you know, start with like a bigger one, like, it, you know. People know saves the day, but then you start going, oh, Seffler, and then you start going down the list, and all of a sudden you're like, man, there's right. like 20 different bands who I'd never heard of before. It's like, wow, all from the scene and all so young. Right, and and you think about like what transpired from those bands that grew and grew and grew. You know, you have your, you know, like you said, saves the day, My Chemical Rom- Romance, Senses Fail, um, the Gaslight Anthem, Cobra Starship, you know, and, th- and those came from like, mid-level bands you know yeah. and there was like a, a whole tier below that not not saying that they were bad or anything but just as, as far as popularity goes um you know one of you know current events let's let, let's talk one of the guys that was integral in our scene is now a grammy winning producer that literally is working with taylor swift like on a daily basis, uh, Jack Antonoff from the band Fun and Steel Train. Oh, yeah. Um, he started out in a band, or at least this is where I knew of him from, was a, a band called Outline. And they were just like this, like, they were younger than all of us, too. They were like 16, 17, and they were playing like kind of snotty, hardcore, I, I don't, bordering on kind of Kid Dynamite-esque oh, nice. uh, music. Um, they were a little bit more more poppy than that, but but this guy is like, you know, reached the 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 heights of of you know music stardom as a oh, producer. Yeah. No, that, that I mean, all those guys really like the uh, I can't think of his name, but the other guy in Fun also was in a couple early like New Jersey. You know, like his start was in uh, I can't think of the name. There's one that uh, he was in. I'm, I'm totally blanking now. But the other guy in there, I think, was also he got his start in an early like New Jersey pop punk band. Yeah, yeah. You'd be, it's it's crazy to, to kind of trace the lineage of these 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 guys and, and and girls who are out there now like you know kind of just you know making lots of money and and, and being famous um and it's also it's one of those things where like you kind of can recall back to the moment where you you were just hanging in and you know as we used to do, we used to hang at a, at a parking lot and, and at a Dunkin' Donuts at like two or three in the morning. You know, we were, we were, we were win- winners back then, but, uh, you know, we'd hang out at these parking lots or wherever they were and you're just hanging with your friends. And then all of a sudden your friends are off on tour with like, you know, the used or, you know, Metallica, you know, it's, it's just God. crazy like overnight too. Um, I don't know how many bands like, that it was just this weird succession of oh they just got signed oh okay two years later i i i I finally get to kind of catch up with them again you know after they've just toured the the world um so it and you know and a lot of us have, have have stayed you know friends um 
over the years. And, you know, this has been now 20 years wow. since all this kind of just like erupted. Yeah. Uh, I mean, could the, you, the Jersey scene. Could you see a shift too? like once things started getting big? Like, was there was there like a shift kind of in there where you notice like label, you know, like bigger labels are kind of there were eyes on you and like people outside of the New Jersey scene were kind of paying attention. Like, was there a time where you could see that happening? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I saw it particularly with, I I would say I, I saw it with Midtown, um, the most just because, you know, I knew them from their, their previous bands, you know, uh, Heath, uh, and Tyler were in a band called Nor Fast. Rob played drums in a band called the royalties and Gabe obviously, uh, played in humble beginnings. And all of a sudden they were in this band together and that sacrifice of life EP came out, um, on pinball records, which, uh, my friend Jay was the guy behind all those, uh, records. That, that's actually another, uh, label we we should talk about even though um a lot of people might not know about it but that 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 label pinball records was actually really integral to the jersey scene uh as far as getting the word out uh they had a comp which was really um i think a lot of people saw the first glimpses of these bands in that comp but uh but as far as midtown goes overnight you could see like they put out that ep and the crowds just were astounded and, and you could just, the shows were so, were so, were just filled with energy. The girls were screaming. I, it's not even, <laughs> you know, I, it, it sounds, it sounds hokey, but like they, they had a, they had a following. So, um, and then, you know, then they got plucked by, by drive through as did a bunch of other bands. Um, and also, you know, another band like newfound glory. I remember them coming up uh, a few times and it took them like maybe one or two shows before they got the kind of same reaction as like a midtown. Um, and you kind of knew like, Oh, this, this band's serious. Like there's not just some like, you know, high pitched, uh, pop punk band. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could tell like, um, like that had to be neat to see that happening too. like to go like, Oh, like there's something there with that band. Like they're, they're doing something. It, it really was. Yeah. And that, and not even like, right not even just the jersey bands like so many bands would come through this, with the same type of reaction like the like like newfound glory like the ataris um and actually you know a band like my come up a romance um i i'll be honest i wasn't i wasn't a fan at first of my come up romance i i i'm a huge misfits fan and glenn danzig fan mm-hmm. um and i think i maybe i took some weird offense to their like image at first i could you know what though i could see that i don't feel like that's <laughs> totally left field right but but again there's the closed-minded metal-headed uh, thing again <laughs> um but but like they're one of my favorite bands like to 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 come out of the scene and, and you know and um but at first like yeah it, it was definitely a, a weird thing to uh to see these guys who okay they put on eyeliner and, and they dressed in dark clothes but they were they just tore the scene up i mean obviously you know look to the look look at the the place they ended up oh yeah oh god i mean they're they're you know? i feel like they've gotten bigger throughout the years like they're i think more massive now than ever they re- it's crazy i i i thought like 
or not, I didn't think, but like, it just, it just seemed like, okay, you you know, it's a, these bands are all flashing the pan. It's just, it's just a, uh, a fad, I guess, but a lot of them have so much staying power. Oh, I mean, that has to be, I mean, kind of continuing my chemical romance. I mean, to think of somebody seeing them whatever year they started, like, oh, three, oh, four, maybe, maybe earlier. But like, to, if you saw them in like a VFW hall at that time, right. who would even think, like, who would even have the thought that, hey, and in like the year 2020, this band's going to be like selling out arenas. Like, they're going to get back together and like tickets are just going to go like sell out in minutes. Right. Like, who would even, who would think that? No one would even have the foresight for that. No. Nobody, you know, nobody, uh, nobody, nobody ever thought, you know, you know, when, you know, I went to go see when I would go see like Humble Beginnings. Did I ever think Gabe Supporter would be this like, you know, rock star in Midtown, and then furthermore down the road in Cobra Starship? No, like he was just Gabe, you know. Yeah, I mean that he put on a good show, you know. It's it's just yeah that that has to be nuts to watch it all happen. I mean that's the other. It's a big reason why I like talking about that whole scene too, because like like all these like bands are mentioning, it's like you realize how much they have to do with. I mean, really modern, popular music. I don't. I don't think people realize that. Like everyone kind of starts somewhere, and there's huge right. roots in that whole like scene that would like I think blow people's minds if they're like, yeah, all those guys were like in pop punk bands like way back in the day. You know, like those those guys winning Grammys or like you hear oh. on the radio and stuff. They were all playing VFW halls. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And um, you know, on on the project that you know. Uh, I was lucky to uh, actually one of the, one of the people that was important to this project, just as a kind of not not just as an influence for me, but also as a legitimizer for this Jersey Interchange product uh, project, was Heath Saracino, who I know you've had on on your, your yeah, show. Yeah, very good guy. Yeah, um, he and I, you know, we we've always uh, you know been friends uh, since I think we probably met back in '98 or '99, whenever he was in Nowhere Fast, and. Um, I think we, we, we kind of bonded over our love of metal and uh, in, in specific, uh, like some Halloween albums, I think. But, um, <laughs> you know, he, he he's a great guy. Like, when I asked him to help me with the, the project and if he wanted to do a song, he was just like gung-ho right out of the gate. And, you know, I, I asked him if he wanted to do a Big Wig song. And I think within, like... Um, trying to think probably probably less than a week he had like a i had demoed out a, a big wig song for him and then he just like went to town on it and totally transformed it into something that i i could have never done with my own fingers and eyes and ears <laughs> it's my fa- so, i gotta say of all the ones released so far i think that that uh the flavor ice cover may be the best i i i think so everybody everybody seems to like that one the best um I think it has the most uh, kind of emotion and, and passion and, and fire behind it. It's good to hear him um, sing again too. Like, like that's the other right. thing I love about you doing this project is you're bringing some of like the other side of that. You know, a lot of musicians went on and done stuff, but you're also getting guys who we haven't heard from in a while to come on here. And like, it's great to hear them again. Totally. Totally. And you know, I think as the project unfolds even more, I mean, we're on, let's say song number nine, there's another 25 songs in the works let's say oh wow yeah um we got we got quite a bit left to hear oh yeah i I took i took a bit bigger bite than i i 
but uh, <laughs> so yeah but uh no but even um guys like uh, alf bartone from x number five um did a great a great take on a lifetime song and x number five were like one of my favorite bands from the scene I, i'm not sure if you're familiar with them they're not like any any anyone huge but yeah i discovered know, be, them from the movie life split they did right exactly so they they have like their name out there um they were i think they were one of the most underrated bands in the in the jersey scene um but like then you, then yeah uh other other guys like john tamillo from folly um i don't think they had done anything in probably since like 2011 2012 i know they had reunited um, people were very excited uh, to hear hear him. Um, Mikey Erg, uh, who, ironically, Heath and I actually are big Ergs fans, but we only re- we only uh, discovered them maybe like in the last year or so. Oh, they're great! I love the Ergs. I, I it's crazy. Like, I thought I would have totally been into a band like that, you know, back in the day, and I just never never even knew about them until about a year ago and once i heard them i said well i gotta get mikey erg to do a song so he did punk rock academy by pab in his package and we also have to cover an erg song so we're doing one of those <laughs> and and heath is actually playing lead guitar on that too so oh nice so he yeah, yeah. he's on here a couple times then Heath heath <laughs> heath is 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 funny because i think he well obviously he enjoys playing guitar and he enjoys being uh in music and I think he might miss it a little bit too. Um, so he he just keeps on whenever he's done with the song, he's like, "Okay, so what do you got for me next?" Oh, that's so, <laughs> that's right? awesome. So it's kind of like it's kind of like you know, um, I can kind of just depend on him to to make these songs sound sound great. I think he's on four five different songs at this point. Oh out wow! Of the, yeah, so uh, I think two two of them have been released so far. Uh, he did obviously uh, flavor ice um, by Bigwig, and then he was just the uh, the song we just released um, recently was uh, Best Intentions by originally by one cool guy with Jay Foley, who's the singer of Day Nineteen. Um, so uh, so he he has has a, a big fingerprint on on the project, that's for sure. That that's cool, and you know what? Maybe you are inching him towards like new music because when I when I interviewed him a few months ago, it started he was doing the uh, covers on Instagram and now he's, you know, doing these songs who that you're pushing him towards something. And I like it, <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see. I know, I know uh, he loves, he loves being a dad and, and being at home. So I don't think we'll see him touring anytime soon, but who knows? But he new music new, is a nice. new project. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, like, so was this all basically an idea that kind of came to you during the pandemic? Like when, when did this like initially the, the idea for the whole thing start for you? I guess, um, it's a good question. Yes. In short, it's, it's kind of a pandemic project. Um, I didn't, I actually hadn't, hadn't played guitar in a long time. And, um, it's, uh, even further back, uh, this is the this is kind of the weird crux of everything, um, and and kind of ironic in a way. I wasn't really ever in a band before. Oh, really? Yeah. So I played I played guitar throughout high school and college. Um, I for about six months I was in a really I, I keep on saying shitty hardcore band. Um, 
but but I, we were we were we were amateurish hardcore and um basically we were in it for like six months played one show and then we broke up and our only claim to fame was that our drummer uh <laughs> this is this is kind of insane years later our, our drummer was, was great he was actually a jazz drummer he didn't really fit in a hardcore band but about five six years later i'm like watching mtv and all of a sudden i turn i i, I see him in a video with uh Matis yahoo who was like the oh really orthodox jewish reggae star yeah so he he, he became the drummer for Matis yahoo <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so yeah and, and so he you know he lived his his uh his life uh, that way uh but anyway the the <laughs> the the band was nothing and actually we were called never again that was our name and literally we played one show and we never again played after that it's <laughs> not the, just a true to the name right, it's not just a joke <laughs> about the band um but then after that i i kind of i always want obviously i always wanted to be in a band i always wanted to be involved in music and um i kind of took a hiatus from college at that point and you know we were always hanging around with, with the guys from the scene and um, my friend Steve Jaworski from the band LWL. Um, we were hanging out one night at, at Dunkin' Donuts, as he's written a song about that. Um, but uh, he asked me if I wanted to go on tour with them, just as like kind of like a helper slash roadie slash driver. And so I agreed, and that kind of jump started my my what turned into actually tour booking so i started booking their tours after that tour and then people started noticing and came to me other other bands started noticing came to me to book their tours and it turned into this you know thing where i was at one point i had a roster of 10 bands that i was booking um on tours across you know the u.s and canada oh nice Uh, yeah so it was and you know i had to like expand uh and and have a guy on the west coast help me out but we you know we booked uh bands like lwl welcome home travis uh a wilhelm scream before they were wilhelm scream they were called smack and isaiah oh sweet uh, yeah did some some stuff with big d and the kids table whippersnapper uh unsung zeros there's there's a, a list somewhere and i'm forgetting a few names and i apologize but uh it was it was like this thing that i did for three years and on top of like booking shows in the Jersey scene, uh, helping out my friend Ricky and and all our friends put on these shows, these bomb shelter shows, which were which were like really big shows, um, you know. And they also we also had small shows, you know. We had the the big wig, hundred capacity VFW hall shows, and then Jimmy Eat World thousand capacity Wayne Firehouse shows that we would do. And the cool thing about that stuff, the bomb shelter, going back to. Um, going back to kind of building the scene you know it was ricky put on these shows and he would quote unquote employ all of his friends so you know there'd be like 15 to 20 of us to help him you know do crowd control cleanup uh general maintenance of the show um you know doing the door stuff like that helping out the sound guy um and you know when i say employ that just means like he paid us with a a meal at the diner after the show and we all just <laughs> did it you know we all just did it because it was fun and it was like i can't believe i'm getting to work with 
or work on a show where this band is playing that I've been listening to now for like the last five years. Um, but it was just, it was also just, you know, it was a bunch of friends getting together and, and kind of creating this thing in a way, even though we didn't know what we were creating. Um, but, uh, what was the original question? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, we were talking, we were talking about just kind of how, how this whole thing kind of started for you, the idea right, of, right. of Jersey so interchange. The, so, so, so back to Jersey interchange. <laughs> um, no, no, it, 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 it kind of it needed the backstory on that just because I think it's also interesting. You have an impressive uh, list there too of bands that you booked. It it was cool. I and I got to work with with some some bands that I became friends with and still are am friends with today that I just, you know, like I said, like listening to the bands that you love and then actually being friends and working with them is is just like the perfect combination. Um and then, uh, and then I decided to go into television and, and film. So I followed that path instead. I did some music videos and stuff like that. So I was still had my feet in, in music, but I decided to follow a different career path. And that's when maybe I got out of the music industry and that's when all these bands started blowing up. So maybe I had some, uh, weird effect on that. Or no, no, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> uh, my exit, yeah, caused all that. Um, <laughs> You destroyed the scene, man. I totally did. I totally <laughs> broke it down. Back so so let's for, fast forward twenty years. I guess about in December, January, I, I just picked up a guitar that was in my mom's uh uh attic. It was an electric guitar that I had from like nineteen ninety seven. Hadn't played it. I might I think I played that in the in that hardcore band I was in. And then I just put it put it away and never looked at it again. So I kind of refurbed it and started playing again and then Lo and behold, you know, COVID-19 strikes and I'm sitting at home with nothing to do. So I decided to just like start recording some, some old songs from, from back in the day. And one of them was the first one was a, a song by a band uh, called NJ Joystick, who I'm still friends uh, with, the, with those guys today. And I started singing it and realized my voice really sucks. <laughs> and so so I, I, I just I kind of just asked one of my friends, uh, Dave, uh, who was in a band called Taxi Cab Samurai, if he would would uh, sing it. And he was totally down. And it kind of just blossomed from there. I just started reaching out to Steve from LWL, to Heath, to, you know, Travis from from Senseless and and oh, and Janet and Nina. Um, Nina is actually the guy I was talking about before, Ricky. That's that's his wife, and she was in a band called Avery with Janet. Um, oh, and they nice. did uh, they did um, a cover of they do Lane Meyer one, right? Really, right. That, that's like, but that's probably behind uh, Flavor Ice is like my second favorite cover on there. Really, really it, good. It's so good, and they did such a great job on just making it sound amazing. You know, that was the first song that we released, and and I think like people people heard it and they were like oh wow this guy's for real and you know furthermore you know these ladies are still still rocking you know 20 years 20 years on um but uh yeah so like i said it's just blossomed from there this is the longest answer possible but <laughs> we're getting back to the point um and and it's still it keeps on growing like people i have people emailing me messaging me every day like hey can i participate in the song um, and you know, it's half me reaching out, half other people 
you know, kind of inquiring of me. So I'm just happy to to be in this position at, uh, you know, at this point in my life, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That that is like, it is pretty cool too. And like, I'm looking at how impressive it is. I mean, that has to be a pretty big undertaking to go in this and like, you have you have so many artists that you're working with. You have this huge list of songs, and you know to kind of jump into it and do it like that. I mean, has it has it gotten easier? I imagine the beginning starting out that had to be that had to be quite a bit of work for one person to start like getting all that together. At first, it was it was actually easy at first because I didn't really have that many songs. It was like the the project. I don't think the project went past six songs at first. Oh, you know really? I mean? Yeah, I didn't really have an idea for it to be like this grand, you know, thing that it's now turned into. Um, but people just like were became so excited about it. Like I, in turn, was excited that people were were interested, and um, I would just start demoing songs, um, and you know, kind of. I, I I back then I would I would actually have like five or six songs as options to offer to people when I went out to them. But now it's like to the point where I have no songs and people are coming to me. And I'm like, all right, give me like two weeks. I'll have something for you. And then you can, you know, change it up or, or do whatever you want with it. And that, that's kind of also a cool thing. Um, just like collaborating with people. Cause you know, I play guitar on a lot of the stuff and I program the drums on a lot of the stuff. Um, but I also am really open to people just like saying, I don't, think that's going to work but how about we do this or there's some songs that like i'm not even on and that's fine with me i don't really care um if somebody has a better idea for making that sound that song sound better um take it away you know like with heath like heath on bigwig i gave him a demo he pretty much re-recorded it all and i was like perfect that's what that's this is what i want from the project just something to have these songs at a higher level than i could give them i guess that that is really neat and then you kind of get i I feel like because what i like too is how some of the songs kind of they sound like they're kind of true to the original and then some of the other ones is like people are kind of putting their different takes on it and are kind of making it kind of something different there's a nice variety in there and i feel like you probably get that from collaborating where someone's like yeah like let's stray away from the original like here's this idea you know and it's like it, it kind of gives it a life of its own, you know, maybe ideas that you didn't think of originally, you know? Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, and I actually support, you know, kind of strain because, you know, like the songs are great on their own, but like, what are we going to bring to it? That's different. And what's, what's the point of doing a song exactly how it was, I guess is, is how I feel about it. Um, because that's already been done. Why don't you put your own flavor on it and give it a little, spin little angle that that will draw other people in and newer and older people might might enjoy this song and then connect back to the the older track and i mean like the other the other thing i was thinking too with these songs i mean obviously there's probably not like tabs or chords and stuff to go off of for a lot of it i mean are you are there any songs that have been like difficult to learn because i assume you're learning a lot of this by ear and just kind of playing along a lot of it's by ear. Um, I think there's been one song I've asked one of the original artists for chords for, <laughs> um, but for the most part, it's, it's been my ear. And yeah, there I've, I've referred to some tabs on online, 
as well. But uh, that's the other thing. Like when I learned to play guitar, you know, I, I took I took lessons for like nine months when I was in high school and kind of just like went off on my own there. And I never actually I never learned how to read music for guitar. I used to play cello when I was like 10 or 11 and I was into all that and knew how to read music. But, you know, that all goes out the, the window when you don't play for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I was totally on tablatures for a long time. Um, and, you know, the tablature is basically like a different way to read the music if you're not music theory. Uh, it's music language, but not notes and and beats and, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So for people that aren't familiar. Um, but, yeah, it's it's mostly it's mostly figuring out an arrangement on my end first. And whether or not that arrangement sticks or changes down the road with whoever takes over the song, um, it's just more about creating like a, a spine or a skeleton for somebody to, to work with. And hopefully, you know, I can have a a, a little bit of a uh, of, of that vision as well in the final product. I think I think it's impressive too because the other thing I mean I know you're this is all obviously like home recordings and stuff. I mean. I'm assuming right. that this is like your first time kind of dabbling in that, which I got it was impressive because the whole thing sounds really good. It doesn't sound like, which I guess I don't know because I have this conversation a lot where it's like nowadays home recording doesn't really sound like home recording, but it's no, still totally. yeah, like, like you could you like people don't even know anymore, but like I still think it's so impressive how it came out. I mean, was this kind of your first time doing kind of music production and recording and stuff like that? Um. Well, thank thank you. That's a big compliment. Um, yes and no. Like you know, I used to dabble in like little four track, you know, cassette tape recorders back in the day. True home recording. True home recording, <laughs> but never, never in a studio, never anything like you know. I, I definitely, you know, had to teach myself. But even then, like there were so many things I didn't know that um, my mixers, Ryan and Nick taught me and Heath too. Heath actually taught me a lot of stuff um, just by kind of seeing what he was doing. Um, but uh, as far as, as far as my setup, like really it's just my guitar into a, a DI into my computer, into garage band and like programming drums in garage band and then getting all, all the rest of the tracks together um, for our mixers to take over once they, once they're ready to go. But uh, it's 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 definitely it definitely was something that took me at least three months, four months to actually master before even kind of get into the Jersey Interchange. I, you know, I listened to some of my early GarageBand uh, tracks, whether they were originals or covers, and some of them are pretty pretty awfully recorded. But uh, <laughs> I think, uh, but like you said, overall, like for a home recording, it definitely sounds like I paid a few thousand dollars per song. In the studio, I'd agree with that for sure, and and that's definitely one of the more like popular compliments I get um, on the song. So I don't, you know, I don't take that for granted, and I, I thank uh, whoever invented GarageBand and you know the modern uh, uh, interface <laughs> for that, because because otherwise I wouldn't know what I was doing. I mean, it's kind of crazy because if you think about like the quality of some of those songs that you are covering now, like back in the day, like what you did have for you, like there were people back then who some of the songs you're covering now probably sound cleaner and like more clear, you know, right. and everything. Whereas like back then they're paying that money 
to get those recorded and they can do like one take and it costs, you know, a couple totally. grand or something. It, it's so insane where it's come, you know, in, tw- in like 20 years. Right. And I used to, you know, I used to go with my friends to the studio and watch what was going on. And that always actually interested me. Uh, there was a, there, there was a guy still, his name's Chris Padami who, uh, Oh yeah. Operates it. Yeah. He, he did like all the NJ uh, scene bands for a long time. And uh, I used to go up there and watch my friends record at his uh, place. And then uh, I think, I don't know if I went to any other studios, but that was like, I definitely was always interested in seeing what, what he was doing, how they were recording. But I never actually did that myself. It was just kind of like one of those things I was a fly in the wall for. That's still pretty um, cool. I mean, that that guy, like for people who don't know him, I feel like he's produced just about like everything of that era. Like his name is probably in those liner notes somewhere. He is, yeah. He he's definitely uh, he's got he's got the uh, the gold bars for the uh, NJPP scene. Um, and then you know, then he went and did like you know Mike Patton from Faith No More with the Dillinger Escape Plan, and uh, you know a, a whole bunch of other like bands that weren't even like considered NJPP or or whatever um njpp stand uh, for people that aren't familiar njpp we that we we titled our our scene the njpp uh, new jersey pop punk so uh i'll reference it as that uh i'm sure you know for for people who uh, are listening who maybe aren't familiar with that scene or like you know the smaller bands in it i mean you want to name off a couple bands that people should go check out? You know, like they're stuck in quarantine. There's a whole, there is such a huge scene yeah. to go check out, but it's like maybe, maybe a couple off the top of your head where you'd go, if you were trying to get someone to listen to that era, like, like a couple songs or bands you would recommend. Definitely. Um, you know, I, I, I'd be remiss to not shout out my friends in Taxi Cab Samurais, uh, who I grew up with basically. And, uh, SETI Alpha 6, NJ Joystick, um, LWL, One Cool Guy. Uh, who else? Let's see. Well, everybody knows Midtown. I don't need to name them. Uh, Lane, Lane Meyer. Um, there, there's like so many bands. Like, like you were saying before, there's, uh, the NJPP archives, which was put together by Joe Polito. That thing rules. Um, it's so good and it's so expansive. Um, he spent, I don't know. I don't know how many hours he spent doing that, <laughs> but he, yeah, he digitized. He, there's at least 150 to 200 bands on the SoundCloud, if not more. I, I mean, I could just be lowballing there, but I can't imagine how much work you put into it. But he's been a great help too. He's been hosting all the Jersey Interchange um, songs and kind of like um, helping with the marketing. And also, he's been he's actually played bass on a few uh, tracks, and will have a track that he uh, put together all by himself. Um, he's doing a uh, uh, a cover by a band called Your Mom Will Love Us, which I had always heard of them, but I never really knew them. But he like took this track and made it into like this really cool face to face sounding um, update. Yeah, yeah. That so, sounds interesting. I want to hear that. Yeah, that'll that that's almost actually ready to go in a mix. So that'll be probably out in the next one to two months, I would say. That's awesome. And I mean, yeah, anyone listening to this, I mean, that's your place to go to find like I've discovered I can't even tell you how many bands off of off of that yeah. archive. I mean it's definitely it's expansive and it's nuts. And I mean I think people would really see kind of what we're talking about. Like if they don't get if you really don't know the scene, you go look at that and you're like, Oh wow, they weren't kidding. Like there really were just 
tons and tons and tons of bands in really a fairly short time, too. I mean, I forget the years you were saying earlier, but I mean, roughly around a decade. You know, all of this kind of happened within about that time frame, I feel like. Right, right. You know? Well, I think one of the, the cool things, too, is like, I guess around the time I was probably, me and my friends were probably like 19, 20. And there was a surge of younger kids, though, too, like 15, 16 years old that were starting these bands like like i mentioned before outline and jack antonoff they were they were really young uh another band that people should really check out called wholesale they were also before wholesale they were known as ol rebellion um they were these like 16 year old phenoms 17 year old phenoms and pretty much had this like great album that they put out and then they all went to college and called it quits and I think one or two of them still played some some music after that, but it was just like one of those releases that it was like a one and done, and people were, were kind of left with their mouths, you know, and their their tongues kind of like hitting the floor, you know, because <laughs> they wanted more. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, it it was just cool to see like the youth, even though we were we were still the youth, there was an even kind of younger scene coming up too, and that just you know. It shows like like you know, kids like hidden in plain view and um, face first and you know which turned into Houston calls. Um, those younger kids were the next quote unquote wave in two thousand one two thousand two that started getting noticed. You know that's probably like the last wave too, right? If you think about it, probably like the final wave of the scene. I would say the final like legitimate wave because then you got into like the 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 quote unquote emo boy bands, which. <laughs> Yeah. something totally different right right that that but um they had they had a few few of those emo boy bands i'm not gonna not gonna say i didn't listen to but um for the most part they're you they're all forgotten at this point <laughs> I, I, and you know it, it is crazy too because like being like the last of that scene I, there's no way a scene like that i don't think will ever exist again i mean whether whether it's just the magic of it whether it's the internet Whatever you want to put on it, I just don't know that a scene like that can exist. I think, and like, there are other scenes that have existed other places, but I don't know that one has ever been like that. Like, the one thing, like, I always think of is just exactly that, that people, besides myself, really have interest in it who have nothing to do with it. I mean, I, I, I'm 27. Like, I, I found all these bands, like, over, well over a decade, if not more, after they'd all broken up and just kind of randomly discovered bands through comps and using the NJPP archives and like, you know, just old shit like that. And it's like, that's, but that that really is a testament how to good that is where it's like, you know, how many other like local, I'm not looking up like the Nebraska pop punk scene of like the, you know, early nineties and stuff. It's New Jersey. Like you guys, you guys like one of the only ones, you know? And I don't, I just don't think something like that, like that will ever exist again, you know? Right. No, I, I hope it does because it was such a great experience and I would, I would want somebody else and, uh, and a lot more people to experience that for themselves. Um, but like, yeah, it, I think it's, it's kind of awesome and it, and it speaks to everything we're talking about that you are, I mean, I'm 42, you're 27. So you were, you were, uh, I don't even know what was that. You were, you were like a four year old when all this was going on, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like a little kid. <laughs> um but it's cool because it's like like you're talking about comps and stuff that you know really even even at, in 2012 that you were hearing all these these bands on um i was talking about before the the, the pinball records uh compilation 
Oh, uh, yeah. Which that was just such a, a, a fire starter for our scene. It, you know, uh, Jay, who's like one of the best guys in the world, you, uh, you ask anybody about him, they'll tell you that's their favorite person to ever live. Um, so Jay started this um, pinball records, basically, I think just to put out like seven inches of his friend's band. So he started putting out uh, the joystick, taxi cab, one cool guy, which got into nowhere fast. And then, um, uh, and then obviously Midtown was kind of his, I think Midtown was his, his, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say peak, but that was like his biggest release. And, um, but this comp that he put together was pretty much, it had, everybody in the NJ scene had this comp and it had all the, it had like early songs from catch 22. It had, you know, humble beginnings. It had, um, the royalties, which was, you know, all these bands that went on to become, you know, Midtown and, and well, catch 22 is catch 22, but, um, it was just a kind of defining release, I think, for the scene. Oh, it and sounds like talk, it. It sounds like a precursor yeah. to like you were saying, like precursor to like what was to come. Right, right, totally was, and um, I, I, I attribute the success of our scene a lot of it to uh, that comp because it just it kind of it's called uh, pinball family and distant relatives compilation. And it basically just kind of, you know, it was just a collaboration of, of all that we kind of had, like the, the the shining beacons of the scene, I guess, is what it is. And and I think he sold out two or three pressings of it within, a, you know, the first year or something like that. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. And that was huge back then because, you know, um, our scene was still burgeoning. Is you know, for the most part, you could expect to go to a show and, you know, hang out with maybe a good show would, would obviously be like 400 kids, but you know, an average show would be about hundred to 150. I would say that's, that's still like, not like local. Oh, it's, it's you, great. Like, isn't it yeah. like you think about then it's like, do you know how many local bands would kill for that to have right. a scene totally. like that? Like that's like, massive for local bands. Like a failure, a failure of a show would be like 60, 70 kids. <laughs> yeah. Like still, even that people would kill for a profit. Right, right. That's You're insane. You're still most likely making profit at the door with 60 kids. That's um, so cool. And, 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 and it was just, you know, the excitement within the scene was also just the best, you know, like, like people were always looking for that next flyer, you know, who's, Oh, who's going to play this. And, and, you know, Ricky would always have his like calendar of, of shows for the next like month or two. And it would always be these like crazy, crazy bills that now you're just like what like at the drive and <laughs> saves a day newfound glory midtown what is that like Jeez. how did that ever happen you know i think that was i think i could be wrong on one of those bands but i think at least three of the four played together at the mandel oaks lodge but That's so cool like, those are the shows you know like jimmy world played a show right after this was after clarity between yeah so between clarity and Ble- bleed american Oh no! Nice. I want to. I want to say we we got over a thousand people at the door, and we had to we had to close the door, but it was just like one of those shows that you're like, holy shit, we have something here. Um, and I think one of the biggest shows we did as Bomb Shelter was, I want to say it was Big Wig Catch Twenty Two Atari's 
maybe Weston played that too. And that was, I think that was somewhere at like 11 or 1200 capped. Oh, wow. Right. That's... So it was, I could be wrong and I could be like, but I think, I think it was, it was around that, that, for attendance that's so. that's just so impressive and i mean once again talking about how you guys are all like teenagers in your 20s like all you know and it's all just this really self-sufficient like you're talking about like the comps coming out on a local you know on a local label putting out local bands and local right. guys are putting on the shows and you know locals are coming to see it like it's all this it's just amazing it really is almost an anomaly like like even that attendance like is just so insane people do not oh, people don't get those attendances no from local it's, shows it's crazy. you know but and that was the, the other thing people loved going to i mean obviously bands loved come, coming to to play for ricky because ricky i don't honestly aside from from you know marketing costs for future shows i don't think ricky kept most of that money i think he gave it right back to the bands so That's if you're really a touring cool. band like you'd have your guarantee that you had through your booking agent, but like he would just give them all the back end. Like it, it was, you know, so they, you know, they could, they could have like a $500 guarantee, but they might've walked out of there with $2,000, you know? And Oh man, that, that makes, would mean the world right, to a touring band. Right. Right. And that makes the, the rest of their seven dates on their tour. Like, okay, if we fail on every date, then okay, fine. We had this one show that we can survive on. So Damn, I hope they weren't starting their tours in New Jersey because you start with something like that and start any right, of all the other yeah. ones. Like, my God, like they really do have something there. <laughs> right, right. It, it was, it was, and I think you know, all those bands just, you know, that was one of the reasons we, all these bands came through, and and that we we had the privilege of seeing these bands that are, at least from out of state, that blew up into uh, these, you know, bigger acts because we had such a good scene and because they wanted to come not just for the money but because we had kids that were really into the music and could sing their songs even if they never played new jersey before that that is really awesome and you know as we're kind of as we're kind of closing out here and getting back into mm-hmm. a jersey interchange are there any like artists that you you know like like as you were saying you're kind of continuing with it? I mean, there's some uh, dream artists or people you would like to work on the project with. Like, who are some people you'd like to work with here in the future? Definitely, um, would love. Uh, and these are all you know. Reach you know. We'll we'll put it out into the universe. But you know, I'd love for Gabe to come back to the yeah come back home and do a song. Um, uh, uh, Brian Fallon from Gaslight Anthem, I think, uh, would be awesome to work with. That'd be cool. Um, trying to think, there's a few. There's a few people I've I've put feelers out, and they're just not not ready to do it right now. I think they they're just working on so many so many things, um, and they're a little bit. You know, their names are a little bit bigger than the bands that they worked with. Um, but I honestly, I I'm really happy with everybody that's that's said yes so far, um, and. It, it will just be a matter of time. I, I, I don't know how, how much longer it'll go. I don't know, you know, what the, the shelf life of this is, but um, I'm, I'm hoping to, uh, to, to, you know, at least uh, continue on in, until the end of quarantine. You know, I guess that's my goal for this part, this, uh, at this point. But um, yeah, if, you know, Brian Fallon gave support, if you want to, you want to come back to the Jersey scene, uh, yeah, the door is open. So <laughs> that would be, that would be a, a pretty sweet one. Both of both of those would be cool. And yeah, I mean, you do, you have an insane list already. I mean, like you said, you've like 50 different, uh, 
artists playing on there with you. And you have, I mean, you, like 25 more songs you said are going to get released? Something, yeah, let me uh, have the list here. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of uh, words here and it's probably, <laughs> it's probably 25 to 30 more songs. Um, and you're releasing those think- weekly. Re- releasing those weekly we'll probably take a, a break uh, just a week break around labor day um but you know i i have songs scheduled into the new year um wow. and i have i i am doing i'm only doing one song with my own vocals that's the only song in the, the whole thing that i that i i, I am uh, not embarrassed enough to, and, and i'm taking on a misfit song with uh with another guy from the scene so oh uh, nice. we'll see we'll see i didn't even uh, think it's, about it's, misfits edit that is new jersey that counts right Lodi boys well, and that's, right right and that's that's the other thing it's like um some of the bands that we're covering and or some of the people aren't necessarily from new jersey but they had such an impact on the scene at that time and yeah misfits are an old band but like how can you not be a misfits fan and be from new jersey um and not see their impact within the scene. Um, but like other bands, like, like the Adam in this package, he was from Philadelphia, but he played Jersey so many times in a short amount of time. And kids just were so into him. And I think, you know, without Jersey, I'm not saying, well, I shouldn't say that, but Jersey helped him kind of launch. I think. Now that makes sense. Cause there is, I've heard that with a couple different bands who were Philly bands who kind of also associate with New Jersey, where they kind of swing right. back and forth, like, yeah, we're from Philadelphia, but it's like honestly, we kind of got our start in New Jersey. Like that was the yeah. scene we were a part of. I mean, Philly had its own scene, and, and definitely, um, definitely had a good scene. I remember going to some Philly shows, but I think uh, it was weird. Jersey just had this great little kind of stopover in between New York City and, and Philadelphia and, and Boston, and it was like a perfect kind of melting pot, like we said, of like ska, punk, hardcore. And, uh, and and emo. I mean, we had bands like like Tenfold, you know, who who aren't like the hugest band, but they're really uh, influential in in I think a lot of emo and 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 even punk punk scenes. Oh, absolutely! No, they're they're definitely so, a name I see get thrown around for sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So for people, I mean, you know, New Jersey or NJPP. Um, I mean, there's all the archives up there and stuff, but as far as a Jersey interchange, I mean, like where, where can people find you? I know you got some social media up there. Where can people hear the songs? You know, where can uh, people find everything for you online? Definitely. Um, well, people can definitely hear the songs at the NJPP archives. That's where uh, they're being hosted and uh, you can't miss it. There's like a, you go to, to soundcloud.com backslash NJPP archives. Um, there's a, uh what's it called thumbnail for jersey interchange you just click that and there's as of right now there's nine ten songs up there and what else we have facebook facebook.com backslash jersey interchange as well as instagram.com backslash jersey interchange um and really you know like uh, uh this next song that we're, we're releasing uh next week is actually being premiered by brooklyn vegan oh nice which is, uh yeah uh They've been really cool. Um, they've they've now written. This will be the third write up, um, but they've really helped kind of promote and and uh, get the word out about the project. And again, it, it was just like kind of 
it started from nothing and now i'm like you know sending out press releases going on podcasts and all this other stuff and you know i really want it to grow and i want more people to uh to hear it so yeah yeah and i i mean i i think people should only get the word out there i mean i think it's such a it's such a rad concept it's such a good idea and it's also i mean you know as, as we've been talking about like entry like if you want to get into that whole like scene in that era of music jersey interchange too like what you're doing is also a good kind of entry level because you're like oh oh shit like i like this song i like this song and then you go back and you're like who'd they cover you know right, and, then, right. and then you can yeah. go through that so i mean you're kind of you're doing that as well kind of i feel like helping uh you know expose people who may not know otherwise you know, might go oh wow you know heath from midtown's doing something i liked midtown and then yeah you start going down that rabbit hole of oh man i didn't realize all these bands they came up with you know I, yeah, I appreciate that. That, that, that's a, that's a great compliment. I mean, I guess it, in a way it's sort of a Rosetta stone to the old scene, but, uh, for, for the new age. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think go to anybody out there, go on the NJPP archives, <laughs> spend like one or two hours, if not more. And just kind of quarantine, go spend all goddamn day on. Right. There. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, look, I think Joe, and I would tell you there's some some songs that didn't hold up, <laughs> but but you you go through those you, you you see you see what what did hold up and and those are real gems and I think uh, there's a lot of music from back then that still it just resonates today, um, and I think you know it, it if people can still find that um, online and. And maybe even at your local record store, if the, if those exist after quarantine, I hope they do. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah, but uh, I know online, if you go to Discogs, I think it's Discogs, um, you can usually find some some NJPP vinyl or CDs up there too for sale. I've definitely bought some off there. That's normally like your best bet, honestly, Discogs. Right, right. Then you get a little rundown of the discography as well, because that's the other thing too is you forget a lot of those bands are all pre-internet, so you can't go back and like find social media pages or like a lot of right. like things archived. It's like, nah, there's none of that. Like it's all gone. Yeah. Like that, even if they had like a GeoCities or something, it's like that's that right, doesn't right. exist anymore. You're not gonna yeah, find it, that. It's weird to think of a world without YouTube, but I mean, even even on the the uh, NJPP archive YouTube channel, there's like maybe at most twenty videos. Oh and, really? That's it. Yeah, like. I think 20 videos of like, you know, live shows at like skaters world or the Wayne firehouse. But you know, people that, that archival, I guess, what's the word that, that just process of archiving that history didn't really translate to the, the YouTube generation, I guess. I'm not sure where all those videos went. I know people, people definitely had video cameras back then. So (laughs) I'd like to see a lot of those uh, shows. Yeah, I want to see more stuff on Earth. I mean, you know, to to be able that is the nice that is the nice thing of the internet is being able to. I mean, it's the whole reason I I would say I've probably been able to discover all this stuff. You know, with uh, without it, that some of that stuff would just be lost in time. So yeah, to be able to uh, archive it and once again, like you kind of passing that torch on and like you know getting it out for more people to hear, I, I think is an absolutely great thing to keep that that whole era and that scene alive. You know. Definitely, definitely, and I and I thank you for uh, for that. Well, right now we we gotta play we gotta play some uh, Jersey Interchange. We're gonna start off like I said earlier, 
probably my favorite one released so far, but I mean, we have tons more to go, so who knows what the best one's gonna be, but this is my favorite so far. Right now, we got Jersey Interchange with a big wig cover featuring a former guest of the show, Heath Saraceno. This is Flavor Ice right here on the Power Chord Hour. memorable breakups in chronological order are as follows.
Walk Academy. I was fighting the mold in the bowl with my pee when a thought popped into my brain. If all of us hated high school so much, why was nothing ever changed? So I called Brian up with my plan that's red How we got a private institution in the name of punk rock. We got government funding our own private road. It's six, six, six. Oh!
And now, I'm an old broken down piece of meat. And I'm alone. And I deserve to be all alone. I just don't want you to hate me. Right here on the Power Chord Hour, that was Jersey Interchange with Somewhere in the Swamps of New Jersey. Before that was Jersey Interchange with Punk Rock Academy. Before that was Jersey Interchange with What a Shitty Summer. And opening up that block of music was Jersey Interchange with Flavor Ice. I want to thank Christian once again for calling in and doing that. I had a blast talking to him. He educated me on a bunch of stuff that I didn't know about in the New Jersey pop punk scene. And, uh, you know, also some bands that I didn't know about. And it's kind of cool on the uh, radio show this week since uh, we're going to be airing this interview and it did go over an hour. We're going to do a two-hour episode of the radio show this week. And since we got extra time, I asked Christian a bunch of uh, New Jersey pop punk songs from bands who people may not know as well. You know, so not like your, not your Midtowns, not your Saves the Days, not bands like that. I asked for some more obscure ones, and he gave me this humongous list of, uh, I mean, even more bands that I could even fit on there, which was awesome. But he sent me this huge master list of uh, bands and songs to play. So uh, we we got all the ones off of his list for this week's show, and we're just going to play a bunch of, uh, you know, just different New Jersey pop punk bands and ska bands and emo bands from, uh, you know, from New Jersey from back in the day on uh, this week's radio show afterwards. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want, you can check that out, This depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, if you listen as it comes out, the radio show will be this Friday night at 10 Eastern on a 107.9 WRFA. You can also listen online at WRFALP.com, and you can hear a bunch of uh, probably bands that you haven't. You know, if this intrigues you and, uh, you know, you're, you're not really – you don't know much about the New Jersey pop punk scene, I would say check out this week's radio show because after, after the interview, there's about a good hour's worth – of uh, bands that you've probably never heard before that you're going to fall in love with, just like I did. I mean, that list had tons of bands that I'd never listened to before. My personal favorite being LWL. I uh, had heard of them, never listened to them, and uh, he sent me Rubber Band it was. And we we actually, uh, is one of the first songs we're going to be playing on the radio show this week. But it's like, my God, like, this band's amazing. Like, this band should have been as big as, like, Green Day. Like, I listen to them, I'm going, like, they're they're on par with bands like Green Day and stuff who were playing arenas at that time. It's like I, a band like that should have been just fucking huge. And, uh, you know, but there's a lot of bands from that scene who really should have been. And uh, it's cool that it's all being documented. You know, that that's the other thing. To check out those Jersey Interchange songs, they're out every week on the New Jersey Pop Punk uh, SoundCloud, the NJPP. So uh, go check it out. I mean, there, I mean that's... There's a new song basically for the rest of the week for at least the rest of the year. And it sounds like it just keeps picking up momentum. So who knows? It may keep going from there. But uh, there's already like nine or ten songs up on the uh, NJPP SoundCloud. So go check that out and make sure you check it out every Monday. They have a huge list of uh, upcoming artists. And it will blow your mind who's on there and some really, really cool covers that they're doing. And, uh, yeah, just well worth checking out. Got to thank Christian again. Go check out Jersey Interchange. They're on uh, social media as well, Facebook and Instagram. So go give them a follow there. And give us a follow if you're not following us. We are at Power Chord Hour on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on your radio dial, like I said, every Friday night at 10 Eastern on 107.9 WRFA in Jamestown, New York. Just celebrate our 200th episode. And you can listen to that radio show from anywhere in the world at WRFALP. And you can stream the station there, listen into my show and all the other great programming on there. And that's going to be it for this week. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. And uh, thank you so much for checking it out. Also, if you want one of those Power Court Hour t-shirts, 
give me your review wherever you listen to your podcast. Send me a screenshot of said review to powercordhour at gmail.com. I'll send you out a shirt, some stickers, some pics. It'll be a little Power Court Hour care package as a thank you for uh, rating us because we need some more ratings. I'm uh, in the in the great words of the temptations. I I am not too proud to beg. So uh, so give me some reviews and I'll send you a shirt. And until next week for the Power Court Hour, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thanks for listening.